Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Logan. Logan, what did you do? Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. They're gone now. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Logan, and the story is as follows. In the near future, a weary Logan cares for an ailing Professor X in a hideout on the Mexican border. But Logan's attempts to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young mutant arrives, being pursued by dark forces. The cast is starring Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, Richard E. Grant, Boyd Holbrook, Stephen Merchant, and Daphne Keene. It is written and directed by James Mangle, co-written by Scott Frank and Michael Green. And after this review, we will also have an interview with the composer of this movie, Marco Beltrami. But first, joining me for the review, we have Will Mavity. Hey there. Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. And special guest from SimplisticReviews.net, DJ Valentine. I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do best isn't very nice, which sucks because I'm a podcaster and I suck at it, so yes. I, I mean, like, you know, you're not so bad, in my opinion. Oh, thanks, bub. <laughs> That's why you're here. That's exactly why you're here. <laughs> I'm here to this spout out Wolverine lines that people may not know. <laughs> no expertise, just lines. That's it. So let's start with you then first. Um, tell us your thoughts on the film Logan. Oh, okay. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Logan or your expectations are low, I risk sounding a bit pretentious here, but I, I don't care. This is what I feel about Logan. Logan is one of the best films that I've seen in years. Not one of the best superhero films. Not one of the best comic book films. It's one of the best films I've seen personally in years. Logan, it, it's like a tragic drama that is focused on a not on comic book universal connections or CGI or any of that stuff. It's focused on character. Character who we've I've grown up with and most people who've cinematically grown up with since 1999, but uh, we've never really seen, in the, at least in the films, his full, true, naked face. Logan is finally the first film that I've gotten to see that focuses on the guilt of Logan, the hating yourself uh, and the monster that you are underneath. All that stuff is now the, 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 the focus of this movie, which I never got out of X2 or Last Stand or damn sure not out of X-Men Origins Wolverine. This one kind of gives me what I wanted to see out of a Logan movie. Uh, we've seen um, 
and not just for him, just the point of that struggle, battling your inner self and being guilty about stuff you've done, it's not just on him, it's on a certain other characters, which I will not spoil until we get into the spoiler section. But uh, in short, I think Logan this solidifies the validity of a genre and shows you at the in the in the skeptics how high a genre can reach because there's a lot of people out there. Oh, it's a comic movie. It's good. Why are you giving all this award love? Sometimes you know, West people thought the same thing about westerns, and there's westerns out there that can reach heights, and there's comic movies like this one that can reach heights that you did not anticipate. Yeah, I definitely echo uh, those statements. Let's see if Kristen uh, Lopez. I was about to call you Kristen. You're gonna call Stewart me Kristen Stewart? Don't <laughs> you dare! How dare you? <laughs> it just like naturally flowed. I'm so sorry. Is it because of my comments the other day about Cafe Society? That would make sense. <laughs> no, no, no. Because that movie is absolutely atrocious, and I fully support your thoughts on that. But let me hear your thoughts on Logan. Um, I was uh, not excited to go see this when the the press screening took place because I am kind of a casual comic book fan. I probably skipped the last three Marvel movies. DC movies only get my attention because of who they cast because they only tend to cast people that I like. Um, And I'm still kind of stinging from X-Men Apocalypse. So I was Mm -hmm. uh, not excited to go see this, but... Color me surprised because I've declared this my favorite movie of 2017 so far. I really enjoyed this, and it's great that we're bringing up the Western because I consider this a Western that just happens to have comic book foundation in it. Um, it really, I mean, James Mangold obviously loves the Westerns if you've seen his remake of 310 to Yuma. But I think he just does a great job here combining the old-style Western elements, the lone gunslinger, with this chance at redemption and his his last act. Um, I love everybody who's cast in it. Uh, the, the young girl, Patrick Stewart. There are some brilliant, heartbreaking scenes. The violence. This is a movie that made me remember just how tame movies have gotten what the impact of a well-written scene that includes something horrific, how, how well that can play out. I just, I think everything about this movie is enjoyable to see. I did wish that the villains did not devolve into what Marvel does in terms of being underwritten, but other than that, I thoroughly enjoyed this. All right, all right. And Will Mavity, what were your thoughts on Logan? All right, so... Logan, I liked a lot. Um, I don't feel like it's maybe reinvented the wheel so much as other people are saying it has. Simply because, let me first say, I think it is so important to have comic book films that are willing to introduce actual stakes, willing to kill characters, willing to have the grit and brutality that could come along with having superpowers like blades that shoot out of your hands. That being said, I do feel like it's nice having a character-based film, but it does feel like the plot has kind of been there, done that. It is the same sort of, you know, gruff, cynical guy takes on a child and learns to feel again that we see with Leon the Professional, Gran Torino, Joe, etc., etc. And it's certainly well told, but I think that 
if maybe the Dark Knight reinvented the wheel as far as what a superhero film could be, this is just a good variation on a superhero film. Also, I feel like, although I liked working Shane in, that does feel like absurdly heavy-handed symbolism, and some of the dialogue is very expositional. That being said, one thing I liked about the film is if the dialogue was occasionally heavy-handed and expositional, at other times it was a very subtle film. You know, like, there is tragic backstory relating to both Wolverine and Professor X in this film, and they never really tell us exactly what happened. And I like that because there's things in the film you know were horrible, but they, they kind of leave them to imagination. And I think that works a lot better. Uh, I echo Kristen's sentiment that the villains were very undeveloped. I guess the big thing is this is very much not a movie that's about the villains, though. It is about the protagonists. Um, but, I mean, obviously, ideally, there's a world where you have villains who are every bit the match for your heroes. Um, I thought... The performances in this from the three leads were just astounding. Patrick Stewart is beyond heartbreaking. This is some of the best Hugh Jackman's ever been. And the young actress who plays X-20... Is X-24 X-23? 23. X-23 is magnificent. Alrighty, alright. So high praise from everybody involved here. I am going to come right out of the gate, and I'm going to publicly say it right now for everybody. I am going to push really hard for Hugh Jackman to get an Oscar nomination for this movie. I think that this is his best performance I may have ever seen him give on screen. And I really, truly mean that. Not only is it like the best Wolverine, but I think it's better than what he did in Les Mis. I think it's better than what he did in Prisoners. The, the guy just fully, truly inhabits everything about this character because you got to remember something there was, there was this like great video i just recently watched um online that explained how logan as a character has like the consciousness of 230 something years of pain and just unimaginable horror and there's some good times in there for sure but there's really like this just life of just violence and the world is just so bleak and logan truly inhabits that the world has just really gone to shit all of his friends are pretty much dead he's only living to take care of professor charles xavier who has always been like a father figure to him and this movie to me from a setup standpoint like how the plot like how the plot sets itself up to me was just so daring because of just how unimaginably bleak it all is and I really, really love that they did focus on that this is a character drama um, first and foremost. And yes, the villains, I would say, are the weakest part of the film. Um, but other than that, you know, outside of uh, Boyd Holbrook and Richard E. Grant, I can't find a single other flaw with this movie. Really, I know, I know, Will, I know you think that the Shane stuff is a little heavy handed. I, I get it. Sure. But. I appreciate, though, that we're getting a film uh, that is in this genre, uh, the superhero genre, that is exploring such heavy themes as redemption, guilt, and also uh, giving just Hugh Jackman the chance to bear his soul on screen um, emotionally, physically, 
I mean, the final 20 minutes of this movie um, and its final moments, and it, honestly, what is also to me, what I'll get into in the spoiler section, is my favorite shot of the year so far, uh, the final shot of the film. It, it's it, it, it brought tears to my eyes. It, it really, truly did. Call it nostalgia because I've been watching this character and Hugh Jackman portray him on screen for 17 years. Call it whatever you will, but this is, to me, a perfect, perfect swan song. Uh, for all involved it, and it really really puts a cap on what was started back in 2000 with brian singer's x-men uh, I, I i i couldn't ask for more i really really couldn't suffice to say i do think the dark knight is a better film and i do think that film really did change the game for what was possible with a comic book film and i do agree that this film doesn't change the game again but instead all these years later kind of realizes the potential of what the dark knight opened up the doors for well i do want to throw out that the the shane connections which no one in my theater uh got except for me (laughs) um so i was like kudos to james mangold for making a nice little what amounts to almost like an in-joke until you go home and you Google why were we watching that old movie. Um, but I, I've, and I've, I've explicated this for um, another website, but I argue that the Shane stuff is going towards what I consider the political context of the movie. Because I think Logan, oh. I think Logan is very politically charged for our times right now yes (laughs) i mean and and the whole aspect of uh dark knight changing the game we always got to remember dark knight is heat yeah so it's not it's not like it's doing something that never it was never done it was never done with a comic book movie and i don't think we've i I gotta refresh my memory maybe history of violence that we've seen a comic book western done like this and with Westerns, traditionally, I know there's always a Gene Hackman, uh, but the villains aren't really the focus on most traditional Westerns. No. They're, kind of the, they're kind of what gets the hero going. I mean, maybe in Good, the Bad, the Ugly and the more iconic ones, but it, you, especially like in Shane, do we know anything about Jack Palance's character, really? <laughs> no, and, and I was going to say, even in stuff like, you know... Man Who Shot Liberty Valance or right, any right, of right. the John Wayne movies. I mean, the concept is usually, or The Searchers. True Grit. You don't yeah. know, I mean, do Josh Brolin. What do you know about Josh Brolin's <laughs> character? Or in the remake. You, that's why I Oh don't, my God. Yeah. This film is True Grit. Essentially. Yeah, it is, it is True Grit. Um, well, I also said the, and we can, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but there is a extended section in a, a house with the family that I pretty much argued is The Searchers. Um... But, but a lot of those movies deal with um, de- confronting mortality, death, and aging. Those are the real villains. And then you get the villains who commonly represent either, you know, racism or, um, you know, I-, I don't know. There's a lot of political intrigue in this movie that I was trying to deconstruct because Logan, I think, really, really sets up trump's america and what we're we're going to experience and i just yeah i i think it's got so much political connection to it i mean in terms of like uh the children and how they're treated and marginalized in that way i i i fully fully see where you're going with this well, it's not just it's, wanna... it's not just that i mean it's it's not just the i mean because the x-men they started out in the 60s as kind of this rebellion against the the hip the 
stayed, you know, the squares. And, and as the 80s and 90s show came up, I mean, they've been used to represent, you know, whether it's homosexuality in the, the Brian Singer films or um, disability. But here, I mean, you have the story of transporting a young Spanish-speaking girl across a border to mm-hmm. get to a... It's essentially the green place from Mad Max Fury Road. A promised land. A promised land. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a scene where you have uh, frat guys hanging out the the sunroof of a limousine screaming USA, which I was right. like, oh, dear Lord, that's something that's just so... That's, that's today. Um... And so many border shots. So too. many border many, shots. Yeah, many. <laughs> yeah. The, the concept overall that the younger generation, that it is going to be the youth, the outcasts of of the country that are able to. And there are even little things I love. Like there's a section where uh, again the family is um, set upon by a bunch of like good old boy southern uh, like assholes. Um, there's a reference about eminent domain. Which I thought was really, really funny to point out that, you know, um, the Western was all about manifest destiny and, like, letting man plant his flag wherever he felt he deserved it to be. And when Logan goes to this little, like, patch of, of space where you have this nice family um, who, who is threatening to lose their land, eminent domain is utilized as, like, a negative which is funny because our pr- current president has utilized eminent domain to take land. That's, I mean, just little, th- the whole movie. What about the fact that they're saying that GMO food will basically destroy <laughs> your, the fact that you're special? <laughs> I mean, like, your personality's gone if you eat GMO, basically. Oh my God. It's funny because a lot of, not a lot of people are sadly going to pick up on these things that are kind of yeah. like flashing lights in your face. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, it's almost like a sci-fi film when you really look at it because the sci-fi genre always kind of represented the, the fear of like science and the fear of government institutions. And this really plays on that because yeah, right. scientists are bad. They wipe out, you know, mutants or anybody who is like new and unique was is essentially wiped out. Um, all this, all these weird political structures are just perceived as as evil, and it's up to the immigrants, really, the outcasts, right. the the genocided characters to take it back. That's so interesting. I, I actually, I got a little bit of this subconsciously, but I haven't really had a chance to reflect on it and think of it in this way yet. I've been focusing more so on something you brought up earlier, Kristen, and that is uh, the, the connections to uh, mortality um, and how Logan, uh, as a plot point in this movie, his healing ability is starting to slow down. Um now, I, I don't know this. DJ, maybe you can fill me in a little bit here. D- do we know why that is happening to him? Well, they imply it's the adamantium. Well, the, the, the adamantium is poisoning him. I mean, that's from the comic book. But, I mean, I think during the aging, and it might have been, I don't want to get into spoilers, but what Dr. Rice mentions later uh, on uh, in a scene might have led to it slowing. I'm not 100% certain, but I... If I had to guess, it's just his. It's just the aging that, that once you, you know when you're younger, you can fall off a ladder and you're fine. But you know when you're yeah. eight years old, 
and you're doing I mean, that. This plays in very, very well uh, thematically into uh, some of the reasons why we also uh, all loved Hell or High Water so much. You know, that right. that aging gunslinger who's going to do one final mission before Unforgiven. He... It's, it's all that stuff. There you go. I mean, there's so many uh, different connections to so many different types of Westerns that are out there. It's also Children of Men. Like, it is literally oh, yeah. Children God, of Men. Oh, my God, yeah. Do we have a problem with that? Like, it is, like, beat for beat Children of Men. Holy crap, it really is. That's a oh my gosh, wow. Okay, so uh, getting away from the connections here, because I think you can establish that there is a lot. Uh, can we also take a moment to appreciate the fact and how grounded this movie is that there is no third act special effects CGI yes. fuckery going on? And that this I think he movie. learned. I think he learned from the Wolverine, where the Wolverine, the first half of that movie, I really, really liked. Same. And the, the second half turns into some. That's why I wanted to make a point. There is no CGI uh, jerk off session at the end of the movie. It's a. It's an actual ending of an arc at the end of the movie <laughs> let's have an act here that actually is relevant and we don't have to use i mean they, they do start using a little bit um of some cgi with certain things but they don't go over the top with no walking there's sandwiches. no sky beams yeah there's, there's no, no silver like, samurai no uh, giants <laughs> and jaegers and all types of crazy crap it's just you know all the violence and all the action and all the people's storylines are earned, which it's which wasn't in the the previous James Mangold Wolverine movie. I thought there is no Martha like <laughs> twist either. Well. <laughs> well, and I was gonna say, I mean, it's it's amazing. There's literally the violence out of the gate. Yes, and I I feared when I saw the opening scene with the 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 blood and the grew and the copious droppings of the word fuck that it was going to be a little too heavy-handed in a way that you know as, La La as we said as we said La last La La night says, right off right from the beginning they say it's a musical if you have any problems with this <laughs> we're gonna give you rough i back. always feel that you know some movies that have the r rating celebrated a bit too much coming off like a small child that's just discovered cursing and that's what I was afraid it was going to be. And then it really set, once it gets that out of the way, it settles into a groove of actually reading naturally. But in watching that opening sequence, which is just brutal, yeah. I was actually like cringing. And it was amazing to me to realize, A, we don't get non-CGI. We've become desensitized to it because it's evident that it's not real. And we also don't get a lot of movies that embrace the R rating in terms of violence anymore. Violence and sex. The R rating has just become very watered down when it's utilized at all. And watching those action sequences with the, the claws going in, you know, up through somebody's face or something, you know, I really realized how much I miss, and I hate to say this, I miss old school, like, violence in a movie. Thank you, John Wick. Thank you, Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> even, even, even Deadpool, I think, had a little too much... CGI blood. Right, because it was comedic. Yeah. It was comedic. So you can And also Deadpool was the prime example of like the kid who's learned to say fuck for the first right, time. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I did feel that a little bit early on in the film that it was they were just relishing getting to say Patrick hearing Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman say fuck over and over again. But these are two very bitter guys that are angry at the world. Of course they're gonna say fuck. Well, yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean, like every line. But it kind of, as the movie went on, it came to feel more natural. Like, I mean, the one scene that pretty much uh, encapsulates it all for me is there's a scene where Hugh Jackman like loses his shit in a car, 
and he's yeah. just screaming fuck 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 like over and over and over but that is earned <laughs> that it is, is earned. earned yeah that's yeah. the thing about it is that it doesn't ever feel like it is going for that juvenile uh r rating uh em- embrace it doesn't it, it feel like it's a it doesn't feel like it's that x-men first class Wolverine cameo where he's just there to say go fuck yourself. <laughs> okay, I love that scene by the way. That was the high point of first class for me. I mean, but that is who the character is and that is the way he's always been. He's just been held back. And in this film he's unleashed, but yet there's a spin on it though. He's not at his prime. In fact, he's at his weakest and lowest point ever where he's just saying fuck this shit i'm done being the hero i'm done like trying to even care for anyone outside of charles xavier because quite honestly everyone i've ever loved in my life is dead what's the point and i'm still here so i I really really love that the film embraced that and i thought it was tremendously emotional you know we're talking about how the final act of this movie uh stays away from the CGI. Instead, it focuses more on the uh, emotion uh, aspect, which, you know, it's going to resonate so much more for viewers. And, you know, call it manipulative, call it anything you want to try and degrade it. But goddamn, if it does not work, it, it, it works so, so well here. I truly, truly believe that. And if this is truly his final outing, which I, I don't know how much more final you can possibly get here, uh, it, it it definitely feels like it is. I I can't think of a, just like I said a better note for this to go out on. I really could this not. A, it's, it's a sports term, like when John Elway wins the Super Bowl. Like you got to the way this the movie wraps up. I don't. I wouldn't want him to come back. And before this movie came out, I was like, "Come on, Jackman, come on, make another." Well, why? Why? What, 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 are you retiring from? You know. But now after watching this, I'm like, I don't want them to be. I don't want to have a sequel because it's so perfect of an ending for me. I don't want them to sully it with anything that will drop. <laughs> will drop it. I want this movie to be in a kind of in a bottle <laughs> or I would a be bubble. Livid if there is another Wolverine movie. And can we also recognize how unique it is too that. Uh, and somebody, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but somebody please correct me if so. Have we ever seen uh, an actor portray a character like this for so, so many years and then have um, this kind of an ending on film? I feel like we have it obviously with television, definitely. But mm. have we ever seen someone play a character of this iconic across many series of films and then have it come to an end on uh, their own terms? Maybe, maybe Blondie, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one I'm trying to think. I was like, I don't know. It's no, because like, I mean, the franchise concept is still pretty new. We wouldn't have had an opportunity for this. Right. I think this is the first time I have seen. You know, I I, I have a lot of issues with modern uh, franchises, primarily because of their lack of stakes. But this is where you get to see what doing something like Marvel does really can be something special. Because all of a sudden, if you do take a character that people have gotten attached to over the course of multiple movies, um, and then you put them in something where there are actually stakes, I will admit it is much more affecting than having that same story occur with someone you've just met in a standalone film. Like, this is the first time I feel like Marvel or a Marvel or a comic book film can really be like, see, you know, by in many ways becoming like television and having a lot of films in between feel like just another installment. 
that when we get to our finale, we can blow you away in ways that a standalone property couldn't. So I, I you know, I, I had I had spoken derogatorily about like the franchise comic mold in recent months and recent years. But I'll be damned if this doesn't show that is a strength that they, if they choose to do this more often, that is like the ace in their hole that they can really play. Yeah, like I'm just imagining right now, like Robert Downey Jr. can't play Iron Man when he turns 70 years old. You know, we have to see that come to an end at some point. <laughs> we, I, I, have a, I have a feeling we're going to see it come to an end pretty soon. But uh, <laughs> ah, um, okay. yeah, but uh, I, I don't know if... Um, even with the stakes, and I and uh, of the people here, I'm a huge fan of Marvel Civil War and the Marvel the Marvel Disney uh, wing of this Marvel franchise. But even when they get teary eyed or they're trying to pull at your heartstrings, it's more of a oh that's they did it right, you know what I'm saying? When Logan hits these pull at your heartstrings moments, it's not a oh they did it right. It's like it's literally crushing you. <laughs> it doesn't feel <laughs> like you know I'm reading a comic book. It's like I'm watching. That's why I, I wanted wanted to preface. It's not to me. This movie stands apart from comic books. And yes, it has claws that come out of his hands and a healing factor. But I mean, if you change those claws to guns and you make this in 1885 or whatever, it 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 would say, you could literally almost tell the same story as we've we keep dropping westerns or, or even Children of Men that kind of have the same path of this movie. So I don't. It's hard for me to compare it to Civil War, Robert Downey Jr., or even Batman v Superman because they they're they're not in the same. They're a, it's a, that's a comic book movie, and it's trying to be a comic book movie. This is a comic book movie that is trying to be something else, to, to me. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right on that. Um, it, it, so let me ask you guys uh, this question here. Ultimately, you know, earlier I said uh, some high praise for Hugh Jackman. In this movie, does anybody else feel the same way I do about how amazing he is in this? Or I, 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 I told, I talked. I, I'm trying to save it for the spoiler section, but yeah, I think same. Hugh Jackman is the second best actor in this movie. And I, I'll just say that I think oh. he is, Hugh Jackman is amazing in this movie. But to me, he is the second best actor in this movie. And we'll save that, yeah, for the spoilers. <laughs> you know, I feel like at this point. I feel like at this point we need to get the spoilers. Um, so why don't we do this? Why don't we express uh, final thoughts, non-spoiler, uh, grade out of 10, Oscar potential, and then we'll move on to spoilers where we can let loose and really say a lot of our thoughts. Because believe me, there is a lot to get into here for sure. So Kristen, why don't we start off with you? Um, I I really, really enjoyed this movie a great deal. I love the actors. I love the story. Um, the villains kind of make it prevented from being a masterpiece uh or the bet you know the the greatest movie uh of the year i'm pretty sure something might dethrone it before the year is over but i really enjoy this um if we're going oscar potential jackman it seems like the biggest possibility maybe stewart for supporting if they want to kind of give him his due but i think that the academy still doesn't have the right hold on what they want to do with comic book films. Um, you know, this isn't as well-respected in terms of ca uh, acting and directing as something like The Dark Knight that had Christopher Nolan. Um, so I, I think it'll miss picture. But stranger things have happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm giving this a 9 out of 10. All righty, Will Mavity. You know, when I, it's, this is one of those where when I first left the theater, I was like, it was pretty good, but I was in 7, 7.5 territory. But it's really stuck with me over the last couple days. 
Um, I would happily give this an 8 out of 10 and say it's the best comic book film since The Dark Knight. Um, as far as Oscar prospects, I don't think either Jackman or Stewart will get nominated, though I wish they would. And let's forget, let's not forget Patrick Stewart has never been nominated for an Oscar. Right, I mean, which is he crazy. is <laughs> a, a great, you know, respected British thespian, and maybe he has stuck to franchise properties, but it would be so cool to finally see him get a nomination, and this would be a great role for him to do that for, for reasons we'll talk about more in spoilers. I think probably the film's best chance at a nomination is makeup and hairstyling, mm. because Caliban is, uh, is is a nice bit of mutant makeup, particularly because that character goes through some physical changes throughout the film, and then you also have Wolverine's aging, as well right. as his wounds throughout the film, Patrick Stewart's looking pretty rough. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good makeup in this film, so I think... Guardians is going to kill it, though. Guardians is going to... Erase it, I believe. Yeah, I mean, Guardians is flashier, but I don't see... If we had two franchise films get nominated this year with Star Trek Beyond and Suicide Squad, right. I don't see why Logan and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 couldn't both get nominations. Okay, fair. Oh, one other thing. Um, we didn't mention this, but you know we're going to have him on later, but I really... It won't get Oscar attention, but I really like Mark, Marco Beltrami's score. It's, it is very unusual for a comic book film... Uh, it incorporates the harmonicas, and other times it kind of feels like midnight specials, very ethereal music. Right. Um, really good, distinctive stuff for the franchise. But on to on to you guys and DJ Valentine. Uh, well, you know, I've <laughs> you know what I feel about this movie. This movie's uh, again, it's a movie to me, and for it, a, a comic book movie to have critics kind of and skeptics mostly trying to accept it as actual because they. In my experience, they seem to separate it from actually being a movie. Oh, it's a comic movie. You would just throw it away. This movie, I think, transcends that. And there's not a lot of those movies out there. Even Civil War, you know, uh, Iron Man or whatnot, transcend the, 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 the label of comic movie. This movie, to me, does that with performance, with direction, with writing, with score, all that stuff. So I'm going to give it a, a 9 out of 5. 9.5 9. out of 10. Okay. Uh, I definitely, as stated before, think this is the best superhero film since The Dark Knight. I think it's gritty. I think it feels very real in many cases. I think it's got tremendous resonance. And I also think that it's tremendously well acted by um, Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman. And, you know, we're talking uh, Oscar potential in some cases. I could see that makeup nod potentially happening if this film manages to stay in conversation throughout the entire year, which will be difficult. But I could see it definitely happening. And then, like, a makeup nod is, like, maybe its only, like, lone soul nod, you know. Um, suffice to say, Daphne Keene. Critics' Choice uh, winner for Best Youth Performance. Calling it right now. <laughs> and if not winner, she'll certainly get nominated. She'll definitely she be nominated. Yeah. a hell of a find. Oh, my God. Was she absolutely incredible in this? It's her second movie, I believe. Is it really? Or at least, I think, it might be her, it's, it's either her second or her first. I think she was in, like, a television show, but I, I don't know if it was a television show or a movie, but this is, like, the second thing she's done of any relevance, so... God, she's she is absolutely incredible in this. My my audience uh, absolutely loved her and was like applauding every time she was like on screen. Like she's got such a presence in this. Patrick Stewart, incredible. Hugh Jackman is also absolutely astonishing in this. In the amount of range that he has to go through and the emotions, uh, from, ranging from anger to despair to hope. I mean, oh my God! And when he gets primal. 
Holy shit, get out of his way. <laughs> oh my god, the amount of clawing was unbelievable. I think Daphne's primal beats Hugh Jackman's primal. And I love Hugh Jackman's primal. Yeah, it, it amazes me. He's 50 years old. He is still so shredded. Like, even God to Seed Wolverine, Wolverine is terrifying. Whenever his shirt comes off, oh my god. You know, honestly, he deserves an Oscar nomination for maintaining that kind of fitness for 18 years. That guy probably hasn't had a carb since 1998. I saw an interview and he was like he was like i'm so happy i can eat food again i can now, i can now just have a donut or something uh yeah so i'm giving this a nine out of ten overall um i'd love to see uh that makeup nod hugh jackman for best actor patrick stewart for best supporting actor picture people are gonna say and push it throughout the year i'm just gonna be realistic and say it's not happening but man, does it like deserve to be included in there. This probably will be one of the best films I see all year, maybe when all is said and done. Uh, certainly not the best. You know, there's obviously a lot of stuff to still come, but one of the best. I mean, James Mangold, bravo to you, sir. Just bravo. Oh, and the use of Johnny Cash at the end. Perfect. Well, not surprising considering James Mangold made Walk the Line. So yeah, make the Walk the Line. But yeah. of, all the, of all the Johnny Cash songs, you know, I feel like Hurt is the one they associated with it through the trailer. I didn't feel like Man Comes Around. I I love Johnny Cash. Uh, I didn't feel like Man Comes Around was necessarily well. Not to spoil the movie, but that song deals with kind of what the ending of the movie deals with. That's I think that's why they picked it over Hurt because. Hurt is essentially, you know, regret. And this the man comes around is kind of about heaven and hell. And it's about judgment, certain, though. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, well, let, 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 I mean, obviously, we're all chomping at the bit here to, uh, you know, talk some spoilers. So let's go do that right now, shall we? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Wolverine dies. <laughs> That's how we start the spoiler session. Wolverine's dead. <laughs> Everyone dies. Everyone dies. Except the children. Except the children. It's, except for the children. It's Rogue One, but with more death. <laughs> I mean, holy God. Um, see, this is when I talk about Hugh Jackman, right, in this movie, and the reason for my praise, he has one of the best line deliveries I think I will see all year when he says, So this is what it feels like right. as he's dying. Oh my God! Unlike Christian Bale's, that's what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> it really, like, it totally ripped my heart out when I heard that, and there was just like this enormity of um, just emotion, just just <laughs> encapsulating me. I couldn't help it. And then you've got Daphne Keene saying "Daddy," and crying, yeah. and not like. Um, in a cringeworthy way too, but something that was like, holy shit, this is like a really emotionally affecting performance right now. Was there was there a plot point where she discovered that they were related? Because we know that he knows. I think she already knew. I think okay. she I knew already. Mom had told I think the, the I think the Gabriella told her. Uh, okay, kind of, that's your. I was just curious, but no, I I think that, and also the fact that she uses the the scene from Shane as as the eulogy, which right. again, going back to the political context, the the idea of a, a world without violence and a world without weapons, actually, um, which is really politically charged. Um, but yeah, I think that it, it, the Shane connection comes through best at the end. Right. So I actually like to, um, 
you keep talking about the final scene, and certainly that's the one where it hit me in the feels, but I thought his best performance-wise scene was the scene where he buries Professor that, Thank X. you. That, I completely freaking agree. with When he can't get the word out. That was yeah. the best and then I also, thought he was. They, they had one thing I like that Mangle did is they had an opportunity to really play that up and have Wolverine sob on camera, but Wolverine would never let anyone see him just let right. loose. And so I like how he leaves and just takes out his rage on the car instead. Yeah. That, I mean, he was so good in that scene, and that scene is that was perfect. Wolverine, that's when I was like, This is this movie's hitting a level that I didn't know it would hit because you know, Jackman can watching prisoners, you know, Jackman can you know, go dark. But man, all of the years of him with Charles Xavier in the for me in the comic books or anybody else in the movies was all this encompassing it's got water and he just couldn't get it out. I was like, that was perfect. That was his perfect and him flipping out on a car was more of I mean, the audience kind of laughed at that moment. So it kind of relieved the tension. But the fact that they stay on him for so long and he can't get it out, I, I thought that was his best acting. He uh, was moment so moment. good there. Yeah. I I you know, okay, so Charles Xavier dies in this movie, uh, gets killed by something that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet, and that is um, this out-of-nowhere younger version clone of Hugh Jackman, which, but by the way, is the one thing in the movie I, like, you know, we're, we're talking about the villains again, right? And how the villains are the weakest part of this movie. I really did not understand this 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 clone thing. Well, I think you have to. I think you have to go back to the actual plot divergence, which the the sequence where they go and stay with this family for a night is probably my favorite part of the entire movie. Yes. Um, because they've they've he's done a good deed. First problem right there. He's done a good deed and helped this family. <laughs> This family offers um, uh, them dinner. They decide to go and spend the night there. And it's essentially a what could have been, which you see a lot in Westerns. Um, the, the, the gunslinger realizing and seeing what domesticity looks like and what he's given up to live this life alone, essentially. And you only know these characters for about 15, 20 minutes. And you come to like them. These are good people. Um, they're... Kudos for getting Eric LaSalle back in a movie. E R E R. Exactly. That's why when 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 shit goes down, I'm like, well, he can save all of them. He played a doctor. Okay. But but it you know the Laura, the little girl, is bonding with the kid. She learns what an iPod is. All this stuff. It's a really really nice scene, and and everybody's really happy. Well, of course, it's a western. Nobody can stay happy for very long. And the the clone Logan shows up. I. Not kidding. Talk about a bait and switch. I thought this was a dream. Yeah. I thought uh, yeah. it was. Even near the end sequence. of it, I'm like, this is, this is he's going to wake up. Exactly. I thought that this was uh, some sort of dream sequence, and it goes on. And there's no there's no musical um, interlude to make you think that it's that it's uh, not. There's nothing. It is played completely straight with no music. It goes on, and I'm sitting here thinking, okay. This is a dream sequence, right? This isn't real. And balls. it keeps going. I <laughs> mean, Mangle yeah. gives you no rope at all. He just presents it as is. And it is so heart-wrenching because you're sitting there thinking, these people did nothing, you know? And it's it goes back to the searchers and the attack on the family. And, and even though the searchers is grotesquely racist um you know this this removes that and i also think it's worth pointing out that the the family the i think they're the munsons they're i think that's yeah. their name um i mean they're they're a black family living in 
um, a place where obviously they have, again, southern good old boys threatening their land. Um, you know, and you're just sitting there thinking. And in a week right when I saw Get Out, too, I was sitting there thinking, <laughs> oh, here. dear Lord, come on. I mean, it's just, it's heart-wrenching to realize that, like, Logan has to come to the fact that not only can he not keep people that he knows safe, but just, like, people in general. Like, these people are so kind-hearted and took a chance on them, and you have to watch them die. And kudos to James Mangold for giving the audience no, like, comfort at at that And they hit X-24 from all the marketing. Because when that happens, that's why that moment hits harder, because you have absolutely, you don't know what's happening. It's like, is it? I don't remember seeing any advertisements for X24. I don't remember them saying anything well, about Well, hold on. As someone who's not a comic book fan, Chris, Kristen, thank you so much for uh, <laughs> the, all those words, but nobody's answered my question. What the fuck is X24 and how does he fit in this movie? He's a clone of Wolverine without any any of the human emotions. Like a husk or, of Wolverine, yeah. essentially a robot like a Westworld version of Wolverine. I no, I got that, but where did he come from and why does he exist in this movie? Was there something to tie from another movie? Richard E. Grant, I think, explains that they couldn't use the children because the children had emotions and like humanity. Right. And this was just easier to create something that was completely devoid and of the him. And they show him earlier when they, there's like a foot floating in the water. That was X24. Yeah, I remember they were like, you know, that's why they were getting rid of the kids, because they had something better than kids. They had this. And I I assume it's what, if you want to go back to the not-so-great X-Men Origins Wolverine, you know, it's what they wanted Wolverine to be be, with uh, William Stryker, where he's taught, you know, they wanted to erase his memory and basically leave him as a shell, a killing machine. That's that's what this was. It was William Stryker's dream come true of like a controlled mutant. Okay, because I started having I started having flashbacks to like Days of Future Past, and when they find like the Logan body like in the water, um, and William Stryker has him, but it's really mystique. And then you start seeing yourself, okay, but what happened to Logan in the Happy timeline? And is there two Logans? And then no. do they ever cross paths again? And I, I, I started doing this whole like mind fuckery with the timeline. No, so, no. He's from the books too. Also, I, I will say, I think it's pretty funny though. They cloned him and just like he was automatically like a 50 year old Hugh Jackman. You know, he didn't like get cloned into a child. He's just like. Well, they wanted to get him at his peak. The pe- no, I know. I just think at- it's hilarious. <laughs> but I mean, we would talk about comic books, and I'll get a little nerdy here, and this will kind of lead into my Patrick Stewart thing. There are several differences between the. This movie's kind of based on Old Man Logan comic book loosely, very, very, very loosely. Um, and they couldn't use a lot of stuff mostly because of rights issues. And But one change which I talked to you about, uh, Negzi, on, online was a huge upgrade for a character in particular, uh, and that's Professor Xavier. In the comic books, Wolverine, this is going to be very nerdy, is manipulated through illusion to kill all of the X-Men by this guy named Mysterio. Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the death of the team in Logan is actually carried out in this movie by Xavier, or it's strongly alluded to. Yeah. Uh, and it's because he has this degenerative brain issue or whatever, which creates a brilliant, I thought brilliant, uh tragedy mirror to logan's own arc of guilt because they both are going through the same kind of arc of guilt thing and i'll repeat what i told you next uh the the scene in which charles a man who has spent his life building something that he's accidentally wipes out uh in the confession of guilt to that act that nobody hears 
because was, he's talking he who he thinks is to Logan, but it's actually the X twenty four who doesn't really have a brain at all. It, it just it, that's the part that brought me to tears, where he was just like, I, I don't deserve it. I don't. Deserve, I was like, oh my god, this is. If you're gonna put a a, a, a you know a scene that's gonna be your role, you know, the show, the Academy, it's that scene on the bed where he's talking about this is the best they have ever had, and I don't deserve it. I thought that was amazing. That was my favorite favorite performance of the movie, right there. It's really sad because, you know, whether you, whether it's Alzheimer's or whatever it is that he's going through, um, it's once again uh, a representation of not so much an, an, an enemy, like a villain, uh, beating them down, but the world. Yeah. The world beating these men down. Um, and for, oh my God, to push them to like that breaking point and have that confession scene, like you said, and have nobody hear it. But what I really, really liked, and this is such a small, small touch. I really did like because I, I I was actually mad at first because I'm like I'm like oh my god Charles Xavier deserves better than an ending like this uh, it just seems so like unceremonious and like just really um, it, I I was really I felt cheated that he got that kind of a death but mm. then when I did too but that but then when Logan the real Logan uh, tells him it wasn't me and then that's the last thing that he hears before he dies. Um, there was a degree of comfort, I suppose, with that. Um, it, it still, I mean, that, I, I agree, but it still did. Like, that's a great character. And on one level, it works for shock value and the brutality of the film that it is so unceremonious. But at, at the same time, I even all that said, I do kind of feel like that was one of the few things I didn't entirely love about it was it did feel like that was just it did a disservice to a great character to kill him for shock value. I mean, it, it, at least in the moment. I, I think I don't know if it was completely shock value because the symbolism of Wolverine, the darker nature of his own being, killing his father, I thought was what the point of that message was. Was like when he's fighting X twenty four, that's everything Wolverine has been fighting in himself the entire his entire existence. And I like that symbolism. I mean, like, some people complained about just having an X-20, like, a Wolverine clone as a villain, but I thought that's great. Um, but even still, did, did you feel like you wanted a, one more bit from Patrick Stewart? Well, you do get the Sunseeker line, which is, uh, you know, I thought was good because it's kind of like a symbol, again, symbolism of somebody who seeks out the light, and that's exactly what Xavier has been doing his entire life. All that little stuff I thought was fine, and I thought Xavier met his arc Anyway, his arc was to try and get Wolverine just to embrace normalcy. That whole scene with him, their last conversation on the bed, was to me the end of Xavier's arc. He didn't really need to go further than that. He's been, Wolverine's been shielding him from this guilt of what he's done, which is destroy the only thing he's loved. Yeah. And he now is like, gonna. well, I know staying at this house is, is dangerous and blah, 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 blah. But if it's just to get this man that I love one more, just one more chance to embrace love, you know, embrace, you know, family, normalcy, whatever, I'll, I'll take the chance, even if it means my own love. That stuff, his death, it sucks. No doubt. I love Xavier. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't want him to go out in a uh, I, I didn't want him to, one I didn't want him to live because I think no he needed to die I agree with that. he needed to pass and I think the way he does it, it it didn't bother me as much as everybody else and, I, and you're not alone I've heard other people say well why you kill Xavier so cheap like that and I'm like well I think his death serves again to motivate Wolverine and especially motivate his store his arc Especially yeah. with the, the evil version of Wolverine, his evil self he's fighting his evil self and his evil self has been hurting people for 
decades, hundreds of years, and then now it's personified in this thing. So uh, yeah, I, I I didn't mind it as much. Fair enough. That's fair. Uh, does anybody else have any final thoughts they want to touch upon in the spoiler section here before we go? Uh, Caliban went out like a boss. Oh, Caliban's badass. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Merchant for the win. I th- he was one of the main characters where I was like, oh, Steven Merchant's in this, and I loved him in this movie. So I, g- kudos to him. <laughs> kudos to Steven Merchant. Oh, um, also that last shot of uh, turning the cross yes. into an X. Oh. Woo! That, great, that great and visual. the little kid holding the Wolverine doll really hit me in the feels. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm gonna get emotional. Was was anyone else crying? Like I don't often cry in movies. I only cried at the Xavier scene, but I was I did feel I get the feels. But I, I, teared, I, I teared up a little bit. Not yeah. not a not a full monster calls like sob, but <laughs> he was our monster, Kristen. Wolverine was our monster. <laughs> I had like the lone tear coming down my face, man. You had right? the you had the uh, classy man tear. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this is sad, man, but it's all right. I had the Denzel Washington in glory moment. I did, yep, the bite the lip. Yeah, the bite the lip. The Native American in the commercial when the litter, when they that, those old commercials. From You've the destroyed oh, our yeah. earth. <laughs> it's all there. All the feels. This was so gut-wrenching to me, but it was so perfect. That should be a poster. I know it spoils the movie, but wait for that. That's going to be a poster. That grave with the X on the grave is going to be. That's like one of the most beautiful shots in this that we've seen in this universe where it just that movie ended so perfectly that's why i don't want them to do anything just just move on read don't recap just just pick some other mutants because i don't know if you're going to be able to I, you know and jackman has said multiple times like he's done and i think he means it yeah i thought somebody was telling me that he said he was done unless it was an avengers movie which will never happen so you can not have to worry about fox go. and marvel okay. disney now, not but not good unfortunately uh, i just saw on twitter yesterday it looks like they're bringing back patrick stewart one more time it's funny because i heard i saw my graham norton and he said after he saw the, the movie he didn't want to do it anymore because he thought the same thing this is the perfect way for my character to go out so i don't know maybe he's hedging he is playing poop so he's <laughs> He can, his mind's a little bit more flexible than Wolverine. Well, I mean, here's the thing with Patrick Stewart. Uh, There is a gap, obviously, between uh, Days of Future Past and Logan. I believe it's a gap of about, like, 20 years or so. So, you know, there is uh, an avenue which one could take maybe where if they're bringing Charles Xavier back for another movie, maybe there's something within there that doesn't involve Hugh Jackman. That they could explore, maybe they bring him into dead. They bring him into Deadpool. That's apparently what he's coming back for. He's going to connect Deadpool to the X Men. Hmm. Okay, now, and you know what? That's fine because that sounds like it'll be just like a cameo thing, if anything. I guess <laughs> you know. So I, I think that's fine as a means as a means to like transition Ryan Reynolds into that world. And and Hugh Jackman doesn't need to be at the mansion. You know what I mean? During that, he's off in Canada cage fighting or something like that. Who knows? See, here, here's the thing I think about Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine. I think Hugh Jackman is going to be in Deadpool. But Hugh Jackman doesn't need to be in Deadpool as Wolverine. He can just be in Hugh Jackman, uh, Wolverine Deadpool as Hugh Jackman. He can just show up. Because, I mean, the, the first movie, he's wearing a Hugh Jackman mask. That's not a Wolverine mask. <laughs> oh, that would be really funny if, like, if Ryan Reynolds was like, oh, my God, it's actor Hugh Jackman. Like, yeah, exactly. You can do oh, that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> they don't have to go Wolverine is in the movie. Oh, that'd Hugh be Jackman hilarious. Did everybody have the Deadpool teaser opening in the beginning, by the way? Right. No, because I, I saw this uh, at a press screening, so we did not. Oh, yeah. God. Did anybody else get faked out thinking like the movie had started? And then when Ryan Reynolds shows up on screen, you're like, wait, really? Yeah, oh, <laughs> definitely. Because they don't make it seem like it's a trailer. I mean, it, it has the full logo and stuff. Yeah, I was... 
that was not the tone I was expecting from the trailers. Right. That's the only thing I was, and it's funny because separately, I love both things. But to put this, the Deadpool thing in front of the Logan thing kind of hurt me a little bit because at least it wasn't after though like wolverine dies and then deadpool joke no yeah to do it after would have been terrible yeah let's also talk about the fact that there is no after credit scene at the end of this movie which i i was like thank you thank you so much that was our thing we left and we left the theater and we were like wait this is a comic book movie we had to end up going all the way back to the to the theater to see if there was anything at the end there wasn't so i was very happy by that. <laughs> Even though you had to go back, it was still Even like, though I had oh, to go back, God. yeah, it was it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Any other thoughts? Um, I will be happy when we finally um are able to determine which one is Boyd Holbrook and which one is Joel Kinnaman. Cause I don't know. I, 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 I was so I, I don't confused. Know. I kept writing in my notes, is this the guy from Suicide Squad? Not guy from Suicide Squad is doing this. <laughs> Wait, is that the guy? Is that also the guy from the really bad Point Break remake? Is that a different guy? That's a different guy. That's a different guy. Who are these people? <laughs> He's in Narcos. You guys don't watch Narcos? No. Isn't the guy from Narcos also the guy from King Arthur? Arthur, uh, the Guy Ritchie movie? Oh, no, that's Charlie uh, Hunnam. That's the guy from Sons of Anarchy. Well, no, Charlie Hunnam's <laughs> All these blonde people are starting to look alike. All right, all right. Dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to our review and our take on Logan. Uh, before we uh, officially get out of here, please be sure to also hear my interview with composer of Logan, Marco Beltrami, which will surely follow right after this. Before we go... DJ Valentine, thank you so much for joining us. Where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, SimplicityReviews.net, uh, at Simple Tweeters. I'm personally on at Trying to Be DJV, and you can search for Simplistic Reviews Podcast on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, anything you want to find it on. Kristen Lopez. I am on Twitter at Journeys underscore film. And Will Mavity. You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the review of Logan. Head over now to my interview with Marco Beltrami. We got ourselves an X-Men fan. Maybe a quarter of it happened. And not like this. In the real world, people die. Logan. I don't want to talk about it. Logan. Just stop. Be careful. I need the girl. What girl? Go get it. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me right now, we have a special guest. We have the composer of the new film, Logan, with us, Academy Award nominee, Marco Beltrami. Marco, how are you today? Hi, great. Thanks. Good to be here. Absolutely. I mean, let me tell, first say, first of all, congratulations on the movie. I just recently saw it, and my mind was completely blown by this one, I have to say. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen a superhero film like this since The Dark Knight, and in many ways, it's mostly because like that film, it's very unlike all the other superhero films out there. It's more of... Um, it fits in its own kind of a genre where, like, The Dark Knight was a crime film. This is more of a dark neo-noir western film. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that attracted to me about it when I first saw it. And um, and that it functions on so many different layers. It, uh, I mean, on the, its surface, it's like, uh, 
you know, it's a, a superhero movie, but then um, it's also, it's almost like, I don't know. I mean, it's, um, well, it's a lot of things. It's the story of, you know, this this man, his daughter, it's, it's a road picture. It's, uh, you know, at its heart, it's, I think it's a dark tale about um, this guy that, you know, he's lost everybody that he cares about in life and doesn't want to live anymore. So it's, uh, and then it's a mystery. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, the film is definitely uh, calling into question what what is worth fighting for, especially when the world and everything that you've loved and cared about has become as bleak as the world that the character Logan inhabits. It's a, it's a very, very mature type of film, but I mean, 17 yeah. years that uh, he's been playing this character. I mean, ultimately, the audience has now matured, and so we are presented with this uh, mature film as well from yeah. James Magold. And this is your third collaboration with uh, the director after 310 to Yuma and uh, The Wolverine. So how did your relationship with him first begin, and how has it evolved since then over the course oh, of these three okay. films? Yeah, well, I mean, we started... He, um, I had done a... Um, Actually, a movie for Tommy Lee Jones called The Three Burials of Melchiatus Estrada that um, Jim was aware of. He, he liked the score uh, when he was making um, Three Tenta Yuma. Um, he may have had some of it in the temp, I forget. But anyway, that's, I think, the reason that he called me, if I'm not mistaken, because um, he, he liked that score. And, you know, it's perfect for me because they don't make that many westerns and as far as i'm concerned every movie i do is a western because <laughs> that's uh, uh sort of what got me into film scoring in the first place was the you know the morricone scores um so you know over the the course of uh the three films you know i've i've learned that um jim is a really musically savvy guy i mean well he's savvy with uh film in general but he, he really knows a lot about film scores and um having him uh be able to say hey check this this out um try this try this avenue is really inspiring for me because it sets me off on different directions and uh in in logan there's a lot of different influences uh in it from you know minimalist stuff to almost bordering on some jazz influence well i should probably not jazz but well yeah a little bit you know sort of like uh the like this 70s type of scoring um so you know there's i don't know there's there's a lot of different influences there yeah i mean you know this being a dark western uh it, it must have given you that a ton of inspiration as you said before um did you take any inspiration at all from the previous uh, X-Men films or other superhero films or, you know, you were saying Western films, but I'm just curious if there was a tendency to want to try to uh, lean on the X-Men theme or create uh, the movie's own kind of a theme, or did you want to just try to keep it more atmospheric and really just have it more enhance of the sto enhance the story ultimately yeah i mean the, the biggest thing was that the action should always lead the music shouldn't take the stage like that um it's not a thematic score um so i mean very early on we discussed not having a wolverine theme i mm -hmm. mean there's there's motives there's there's well i mean there's that minimalist piano thing which is it's not really a, a theme um for him but there's there's motives. There's like a two-note motive that I began to to use a little bit in the previous Wolverine movie, uh, which on the harmonica, and it comes back a little bit in this um, in different incarnations. Uh, even 
with the uh, X24 character, uh, it, it, uh, it's based on that as well, like a subversion of that. Um, and then Laura, I guess the closest thing to a theme in this would be Laura's theme. Um, mm. but, but you're right, it is a textural score. It's, it's ambient. It's about, I think it's more about the vibe and the mood than the, um, uh, like a traditional uh, melody and, and harmony. And, you know, I guess it's so it's it's it it's somewhat when I went to see it, I was like, <laughs> uh, it actually seems pretty simple. You know, I, I this must have taken Marco uh, a week to do. But, you know, it's 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 deceptively simple. Uh, it, it was actually um, it was complex in its simplicity. If that makes any sense. I mean, it does make a lot of sense in many ways, you know, because I could see how with so many different aspects and influences here, you know, there's parts of the score that are um, evoking stuff from the horror genre in certain moments. There's uh, lots of suspense. There's, you know, the Western uh, feel to it. There's also, you know, you got the thumping drums of the action beats, you know, so there's a lot going on here. Um, yeah. Would you say that uh, that was the most challenging aspect about creating the score to Logan was trying to juggle all these different types of influences and ways that the score could go to try and just create something that yes, was in service to the story? To do that, but also keep it unified. I mean, it didn't. It, has, it couldn't sound like ten different scores. You know, it has to be all within the same language. But uh, yeah, so that that was that was that was tricky, um, and it was tricky to stay subdued in in many respects. You know, like uh, I'm, you know, I'm, we're, we're trained to <laughs> sort of uh, flex in certain areas and. Um, and to stay restrained and all, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a challenge, you know. Um, and there's a lot of different uh, emotions that the music has to convey. Uh, and, and, um, and having it do all those things and stay sort of true to itself, you know, it's, it's, um, it was a challenge. Yeah, I mean, so you have actually created two of my favorite uh, film scores of all time, and that's uh, for the Scream series. Absolutely love that score. Uh, and the Hurt oh. Locker, um, actually. And now with something like Logan, um, you know, there's many different types of films that you've worked on in your career. Is there any particular genre or type of story that draws you into a project? I, I don't know if it's the genre so much as the specific material of the film itself. Um, you know, anything that's well done and convincing, it, it's about the story, you know, and if, and if it uh, if it grabs you because that's what we do i think uh musically or i do um is you know you, you're telling a story musically as well and so if it's if what you're seeing is compelling and i and, and I, I feel like i can add something to it or i guess it's not the genre as much but how pulled in and convinced i am i i think the only thing i really haven't much of probably is like uh like a romantic comedy i you know um i probably just take myself too seriously i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean it, i gotta say it would be quite a departure <laughs> <laughs> yeah um you know at the end of the film uh johnny cash is heard over the closing credits um it, it, and it's so fascinating to me obviously um because james mangold uh directed uh walk the line and yeah. I was curious if there was ever a, a conversation between you and him of ever to go with any kind of an original song at the end credits, or was it always going to be Johnny Cash? 
it was already it, when I came on this project in uh, around Thanksgiving time. They, the movie was already it was you know shot. It, it was edited. Uh, they were making some final tweaks and all. But uh, Johnny Cash was there. It worked so great, and uh, there was never. I mean, that was never even a, a discussion. And by the way, that's one of the things that um, is so amazing about Jim is that he's so well versed in so many different genres and the way he weaves it in together in this film all effortlessly and convincingly and you know so that that's what was inspiring to me writing the music was that i wanted to do i wanted to live up to that and do the same thing musically have different musics and everything but have it be unified as well so you know and, and the fact that he directed that movie is is a perfect example you know so so different but but so amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's not just one element that makes a film. And, you know, in the final couple of minutes of Logan, uh, the film definitely hits an emotional chord. And, you know, there's many, many aspects that go into it. But your, your music is definitely one of those pieces that helps to really drive and elicit that emotion from the viewer in many ways. So I, I commend you uh, for that, because I'll tell you, I saw grown men crying at my screening of this film. And that's not something you see often. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, That's good. This being an awards um, uh, website um, and with next year's Oscars being too far away to discuss anything on the matter with that. And last year's just behind us. I just had a curiosity. Were there any uh, film scores from uh, last year to 2016 year uh, that left an impression on you whose work you really admired? Uh, it was a tough year for me. Uh, I was away in Russia scoring a film and I got back and I did this and didn't, I didn't vote this year at the Academy because I didn't see any of the movies. I, I have so I have such a big pile of movies to, to get through now. Um, mm. So I did see the arrival. I, I enjoyed that score. I thought, yeah. um, you know, I know there was a problem with it because there, there was, you know, other, there was Johansson's music and uh, uh, Max, Richter's Max, music. Richter, yeah. Max Richter as well. So, you know, stuff like that I know is confusing to audiences, but, but I thought it, the, uh, the work was really good. That's the only movie I can, remember seeing um that that you know uh, of the academy list um hey it's all good i'm okay with it that was my that was my favorite score of last year so <laughs> you know oh, okay yeah uh, that was a that was that was definitely a good one and i mean you're right i i I don't think it should have been necessarily disqualified based upon uh, that ruling, but I mean, hey, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Awards are subjective at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, and right. everybody's work de deserves to be commended in some way, shape, or form. So, and that brings me yeah. to ultimately uh, my last question here, and that is uh, upcoming works for you. What does the future hold in store? Um, can you tell us about what you were scoring um, in Russia? <laughs> Oh, oh that, it was a, uh, it's a Russian period uh, film called Matilda, uh, which is about a, um, well, it takes place at the beginning of the Russian ballet with a um, controversy that surrounded uh, Tsar Nicholas. So that, that, was a, that was a really interesting project. I scored over in, in uh, St. Petersburg with uh, a famous conductor, Valery Gurgiev, who conducted and uh, it, was, it was really amazing, but um, Coming up, the thing I'm looking forward to now is uh, I, I had done work with uh, two talented brothers, John and Drew Doddle, and um, we did a movie called No Escape 
together, and um, they're doing now a, a six-part uh, series for for TV um, on based on the story of uh, uh, Waco, Texas, um, and it's really pretty amazing talking to them about it, and it's it's really seems inspired, and I'm very much looking forward to to that. Well, that's going to be uh, sounds pretty phenomenal. Uh, the I mean, only other one that uh, is, yeah, I did a movie for Angelina Jolie um, that um, uh, called First They Killed My Father," which I, I think it will be due out sometime this year. Um, it's a, a story about a Cambodian uh, girl during the Khmer Rouge. Oh, she makes she makes such interesting projects. Uh, I, I got to say, it's like. She normally takes on um, an, an her acting career. Sometimes she goes back and forth between dramatic roles and blockbuster type roles. But you can tell the projects that she takes on to direct are deeply personal to her, um, and that really yeah. really shines through in her work. So that's definitely going to be yeah. very exciting. Yeah, well, that's definitely one, the case on this one. So fantastic. Uh, any talk about Scream Five at all? I'm just curious. No, <laughs> <laughs> have you heard about Scream? No, scream no, no, I have not. I have not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. Yeah, it, that was it. Was a shame when West passed. I, I, he was a big, you know, and he started my career, and he was uh, really a mentor for me in the beginning. So it was um, really sad. Oh yeah, definitely a legend amongst uh, not just the horror community, but also just the film community in general, and what he yeah. has given to the world of cinema. De- definitely. Uh, Definitely uh, terrible, but I don't want to yeah. end it on such a a, a, a low note. I want to just say uh, once yeah. again and reiterate that Logan is so far my favorite film of uh, 2017, and a lot of that cool. has to do with just all of the combined elements from the acting, the writing, the direction by James Mangold, the score by one truly uh, Marco Beltrami, all just come together to create what is, in my opinion, one of the best superhero films I've personally have ever seen. And I really, really wow. highly recommend the audiences and everyone that's listening right now to check it out. It's playing right now in theaters. Marco, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us here on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Well, a real pleasure for me. All righty. You take care. Okay, thank you. You too. Bye. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.